We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not right no, now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. We are presented by Blue Wire Podcast and brought to you by the Big Screen Sports Patreon group, including our producer-level Big Chill patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, Chris Mykoski, and Andrew Teagle. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting the show. Lots of perks for our patrons, but at any tier, you get voting privileges, which is important in an episode like today. If you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, you get a say in what this show covers. Our Bull Durham level patrons, they get to nominate movies to be covered. They also get a sticker. It's a great looking sticker. Our Big Chill level patrons are the producers that you just heard. And all of our patrons, that is Field of Dreams level patrons, Bull Durham and Big Chill, they all get voting privileges. Uh, big thanks to them. Um, if you're enjoying this show and you, you don't want to join the Patreon, but you do want to support, just tell a friend, subscribe. You know you know the drill. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, those things. But if you are a supporter of the show, it means you voted. And the patrons brought us here today. They, they voted on a movie that is probably a long time coming for the show. They voted on Mr. Baseball, Tom Selleck in that incredible mustache and returning to the show to break it down with me it is my buddy the host of the new the upcoming podcast k and the crazies my buddy darren vaught darren welcome back to big screen sports howdy uh happy to be here as always this should be fun i am thrilled to have you back and i know you're thrilled to talk about this movie uh but before we get into it tell the folks k and the crazies yeah, so K and the Crazies, uh, it is exploring, celebrating the relationship between Coach K, longtime Duke men's basketball coach on his way out, retiring at the end of the season, uh, with the Cameron Crazies. You know them, at least on a surface level. They're the people who paint themselves and jump and yell and cheer and sing and chant. And uh, you might know a little bit about their camping out to get access to the biggest games, right? They set up the tents in Krzyzewskiville. So it's sort of about 
the origins of that, the ties between Kay's success and the rise to prominence of the Cameron crazies just as sort of a, a cultural or subcultural fixture in the world of, of college sports and sports as a whole. But episode one already out. We got weekly episodes coming out until uh, the end of the, the regular season. It sort of all culminates with that week that Duke hosts North Carolina in Durham for the final time in Coach K's uh, career. Well, folks, that link to subscribe, it's going to be in the show notes. Uh, you'll probably get a clip from Kay and the Crazies here coming up soon on this feed. But as I said earlier, we are here to talk about Mr. Baseball, the 1992 baseball comedy. Jack Elliott, once a great baseball player, is forced to play in Japan where his brash, egotistical ways caused friction with his new teammates and friends. It starred Tom Selleck, Dennis Haysbert, and Aya Takanashi. Darren, you love this movie. This is a, this is a big one for you. Why, what what about this one? Because I this gets it gets lost in the crowd. I think a little bit. I think this is considered more on that second tier of baseball movies. Yeah, it's um, it, it's for me. I don't know. It's a combination of things. In the first of which, perhaps, is I just. Maybe it's because you know me. I'm a huge Ichiro Suzuki fan. He was one of my favorite players, if not my absolute favorite player as a kid and I'm fascinated by Japanese baseball culture and I've gotten to see it in shades with my role with USA Baseball doing some international games for them too so there's a lot that kind of goes into it and at it had been I say this every time I watch it and I texted you the same thing when I did my rewatch I was like why do I not mention this more as one of my favorite baseball movies? Because I think it's not Bull Durham. It's not Major League. But I think it's kind of up there near them in a way that I, I don't know that anyone associates Mr. Baseball with the greatness of those other two. What I think of with this movie is the baseball is really good. Yes. We're we're looking, like you said, at that Japanese baseball culture, which is such an awesome, just an awesome, passionate culture around the sport of baseball. It's a national sport over there. And since this movie has come out in 1992, you look at us, you know, 30 years later in 2022, I think we have a different sort of understanding and appreciation for that culture as it is, you know, here in the United States, because now we have had so many successful imports, you know, four years after this Hideo Nomo kind of kicks things off. You get Ichiro, you get the Dice K phenomenon, you get, um, you know, you Darvish, but numerous Japanese players. And now even more so, um, notable American players playing in Japan. We've got Adam Jones who has spent the last two seasons in Japan now. Um, I think there's there's much more. Obviously, I I just I forgot about Shohei Otani, who's literally the best player in baseball right now. Like it's a we we've come so far in appreciating this culture, but this is one of the only sports movies, at least American sports movies, that has given us this look. And it it came out 30 years ago, so it's in that regard, it's aged even more because of how incredible that Japanese baseball is and how much more of a 
a, a, a really good option for American players is it's just Asian baseball in general, Jap- Japan, um, the, the South Korean league has come on too. Th- this is actually in that regard, the baseball in this movie has aged even better than in 1992. Yeah. And I mean, you're 100% right because I found myself doing the rewatch for this was the first time I had seen it since pre pandemic. So pre exposure to the Korean baseball that we saw when we were just, you know, clamoring for whatever sports we could possibly get our hands on um, at 5 a.m. with with the ESPN crews doing them remotely. So and for for what it's worth, I my exposure to like Team Japan baseball games the last time I saw this movie was not what it is now. So like some of those things I've just like experienced a little bit more in person experienced as a fan. Yeah, I mean, we all sort of grow with the, the sports that we watch and enjoy. So there's an, an element of, of I'm more mature now seeing this movie about certain things in the movie than I was whenever I was watching, you know, teenage Darren is going to view this movie a lot differently just as he would any other movie than, you know, 32 year old Darren. So, um, uh, but that being said, it aged really well. I found myself saying that a couple of times as I did the rewatch. Yeah, it holds up. A A lot of the aspects of the movie hold up really, really well, especially the baseball, which is where my, my main praise of this movie is going to lead. I think as far as the baseball action goes, the, the baseball content in general, really, really good. Is it a Hall of Fame all-star starter bench warmer for you? I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a starter. I don't, and I don't even know. I, I do this every time I'm on here. Like what, what's the difference between a starter? You're so, or- you're so modest with how you, you score these films. Cause I'm always really liberal. Like what I, what I give films, I was going to say, and I, I feel like you're much higher on this movie than me. I think for a baseball movie, for me, it was kind of like a maybe like a one-time all-star. Yeah. For okay. me, like yeah. um, you know, one of those pirates closers that just like was leading the team in saves, had to throw someone on. But like as a baseball movie itself, like I think it's got a it's got a ton to offer. Um, I don't want to step in our last category. I think it's like prime for a remake. I think it would be awesome. Uh, yeah, no, um, I, we'll get to that. I I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, but it's not it's it's I think it's missing a lot of the things that make the best baseball movies what they are. Your major leagues, your bull Durham, stuff like that. Um, but it's it's solid. I mean, if you if you need a baseball movie to watch, they they need to show this one on MLB Network. Again, I, I complain about this all the time. They show Chubrel with the curve on MLB Network all the time. And I just I just don't get it. Like this is a movie like it's not you're not going to miss much on TV. In fact, some of the stuff they're going to cut in this one on TV, probably the stuff that needs to be cut anyway. Like it's <laughs> yeah. I, I I think this this is a great cable rewatch too because you get a lot of baseball action. Yeah, and I think if I had to like make a pie chart of every time I've watched this movie in my life, I don't remember where it was being run into the ground like my age 14 to 16 years, but some cable network was showing Mr. Baseball a lot. Um, in that same vein. Yeah. MLB. And, and look, dude, I love bull Durham. MLB network needs to chill. Yeah. So they you can't, it, 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 that movie loses so much on cable. Yes. Yes. And like, frankly, like we've kind of talked about this movies, like major league two is better to show on cable than major league. <laughs> Yes, the old TBS edits 
<laughs> yeah, because it's just it's some movies like this is a this is a sweet spot for a cable baseball movie like Bull Durham. You should play it on HBO, Showtime, whatever. Like it needs that kind of run. Major League needs the same thing. This movie safe for work. Like you can you can play this on cable and it's going to hold up pretty well. It's going to do what you need it to do. Yeah, yeah even despite it opening with this middle-aged man waking up in a sorority house. Um, Listen, Tom right. Selleck's going to have a lot of sex, no matter, like, <laughs> Friends reruns go all the time, and Tom Selleck, when he's on there, very much insinuating, like, my man is having a lot of sex. He's having it with Courtney Cox, he's having it with whoever. If Tom Selleck's on, I mean, I, I had this question, is he the most handsome dude to ever star a baseball movie? Ooh, it's a great like, question. Because obviously it comes like Costner comes up like Costner in, in Bull Durham and Field of Dreams, different kind of sex appeal, like right. old grizzled Costner in, in Bull Durham, a little more like the grizzled vet sex appeal, uh, you know, Field of Dreams Costner. That's like, you know, dad, just hot dad stuff. Yeah. But like Selix, Selix got a he's a different animal than both of those guys. Yeah. And it's kind of like the obviously any of this is going to be subject subjective and you know, everybody's beautiful in their own way, that sort of thing. Um, he's kind of got like the whole conventional package, especially for the, you know, that the early nineties and that sort of like, yeah, he, he, he fit a mold that literally no one else in Hollywood would have fit for this. Yeah. It's in a, in a very, um, you know, uh, like I, I feel like, especially because Jack Elliott starts in the the movie with the Yankees, I really feel like they were going for Don Mattingly. And they were going for Don Mattingly, a noted sex haver himself who had a kid at like sixty. Right. So, so I in that in that same vein, Selleck was perfect. Right. If you're yeah. if you if you could have gotten Don Mattingly to act effectively, then they probably would have gotten him instead of Selleck. Um, so you, you, you missed, but, uh, you, you hit it on the head. It was, it yeah. was perfect. Yeah. It was, it was great, great casting. Uh, the IMDb trivia only, only picked a couple. This one, surprisingly, not like a, a rich IMDb trivia text. Um, this one, the rookie who pushes Tom Selleck's character off the Yankees roster was played by Frank Thomas, went on to become one of the best MLB hitters of the 90s, won two MVP awards, collected with the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2014. Man, watching Frank Thomas hit tanks at BP, it, it's always good. So I didn't realize it until I paused the movie to look it up the, because I noticed... the side glance of his face. It's it's interesting they don't come back to him yeah, at all. Yeah, I saw the profile, and then one of the angles when he's hitting mammos in that early BP scene is uh, the back of his head. And oddly enough, I recognized the back of Frank Thomas's head and paused it and was like, that's gotta be Frank Thomas. And yeah, but, but what you're right with that being said, it's weird that they didn't give him just like a line. Maybe he comes into the manager's office and is like sort of the, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Great to, you know, great to play with you, Jack. See ya. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm listen, we know, we know Frank can deliver lines, man. Our new Gen X King, Frank Thomas, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holding press conferences to talk about his testosterone. There's a, this is a heavy testosterone film now that you mentioned. A lot of testosterone. <laughs> a lot of testosterone in this one. Uh, while preparing for this movie, Tom Selleck spent time with the Detroit Tigers during 91 spring training. 
He was brought into a game as a late inning pinch hitter, managing to foul off one pitch before striking out. I'm just going to say there's always that tweet of like, if you got a hundred pitches from, you know, Jacob DeGrom or whatever, like how many you could hit. And like, folks, the answer is none. Like always no one you can't hit. If your guy of the street can't hit Jacob DeGrom fouling off a pitch in the spring training game is like a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah. Um, and like you think about some of the other sort of sticky spring training ABs, I, usually you don't anticipate any kind of expectations, right? It's Billy Crystal for the Yankees. It's Will Ferrell for every team. It's um, my high school travel ball coach uh, was was in the Cubs organization. was was in spring training with the Cubs. I think I think it was he was with the Cubs, but Garth Brooks was doing spring training. Okay, and uh, I I remember reading it. I read an article about. It. I found an article about it. That um, in the article, they were like, you know, Cubs lefty, his name was Ben Van Ryan. It said Cubs lefty Ben Van Ryan nearly picked off Brooks. And I asked him about it. And he said, oh, I got him. They just let him stay there because he was Garth Brooks. <laughs> that's perfect. Which like, that's the kind of that's the kind of dickhead he was to try to pick off Garth Brooks when he pitched ran on first base. <laughs> right. Also, like, how did Garth get to first? Did they just like, oh, he, he pinch ran. He pinch ran. Garth did not did not achieve a uh, a Walker base hit. Right. Okay. That was because that's important information there too. I mean, obviously he didn't get a base hit, but there's a chance that they're like, you know, giving him the. You said it was the Cubs apt. You could give him the floater, uh, Rowan Gardner style, and just let him sock one. I guess. But um, but yeah, like normally you don't expect them to do anything. I don't like. Charlie Sheen was a good baseball player as a young guy before you know, being cast in the major league movies. Um, but I don't know that he ever got this kind of run. Normally when you do this publicity type spring training thing, um, it, it comes with the expectation that it's just like, Oh, this is just campy. I bet Selleck was up there and ready to hack. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, you could see that in the movie too. I think MLB teens were probably like, we don't want Charlie Sheen coming to camp. That's not it's not the kind of action that we need in our clubhouse as we get ready to uh, to to go try to win a championship. Um, this movie does it, it pulls in some some actual former professional athletes, some and some baseball movie regulars. I le- so Leon Lee played Lyle Massey in the movie, um, served as a player consultant. You can tell that this movie has a player consultant. It's it's an obvious thing. You can you can always tell when a movie has one when they don't have one. Uh, he's a former Japanese baseball player, Japanese league play- baseball player, came over from America. Same thing his character did. Uh, Brad Brad Leslie and Michael Papa John also appear. In this movie, uh, Papa John is is he's in the on the bench. I, I noticed him in the uh, in the he's one of the Yankees, but both him and Brad Leslie also appear in Little Big League. Uh, Michael Papa John also appears in For Love of the Game, and uh, he is also the guy who shot Uncle Ben in the in Spider Man in Tobey Maguire's Spider Man. Yeah, fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great <laughs> spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Uncle Ben get Uncle Ben like 15 dies. times, <laughs> if you haven't seen any of the eight movies where that's depicted now since Toby McGuire, Toby, Toby McGuire. Um, yeah. Uncle no. Ben is, is Sean Bean. He just dies in everything. <laughs> He's Kenny from South Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they, uh, they got real ball players in this one. Yeah. That stuff shows. I'm always a I'll, huge proponent of that. I'll add to that. Like, I imagine it's been said so much on your show here that, of course, is about sports action in sports movies. 
I like you can't make a sports movie without a consultant or multiple consultants of some kind, right? Got it. It's it's like you said, it's gonna be noticeable if if there is if if the form and technique and accuracy of of how realistic the the playing of the games are um is is not a priority like don't just don't make a sports movie yeah and they got a ton of great japanese baseball players in this one too a lot of them are extras background guys a lot of all the pitchers look like they can actually throw like they did a great job of having a talented cast and then it helps when you're your two baseball leads, really the guys we see do the most stuff are Haysbert and Selleck and they both look great. I mean, we, you know, we obviously see, we see Haysbert swing it. They, they knew a couple years prior cause he was Serrano, yep. you know, three years before this. And he, oh, he knew it, it got him this role, but being Serrano oh, got sure. him. And like the first time you see him, he's drinking the tea in his locker. Like, come on. It, it's, it's yeah. perfect. The parallel. It's on the nose. Yeah. It's on the nose. And then Selleck, I mean, obviously it was like, Hey man, not you know you got to have the mustache you got to throw left handed whatever but you also you you need to bat like Don Mattingly like yeah. they just everything <laughs> yeah. everything. Um, I, I will say this that the I found myself wondering about not Selleck because he and this the mustache are synonymous right, but about the character Jack Elliott. When it when the movie opened, I found my and this is a tangent, so forgive me, but I, I found myself wondering about his character. And it's like, all right, does he only have the mustache because he's a New York Yankee? So, you know, he's kind of the bad boy sort of thing. Like, did he have a Giambi phase prior to that point, four years after winning a World Series MVP in his career? Was he this? Did he have like the full beard, more burly? type stage of his career with another team because like we see him get back with detroit yeah like at the end of the movie so it's like you know does he he hop from detroit and then he goes and plays for cleveland like giambi did he goes kind of does that that dh pinch hitter pinch hitter guy um you know and again it's it's assumed it's assumed he's sort of in the twilight with the Yankees, right? And we and we joined so late in his career that he's already a handful of years removed from his most success. And um, I'd, it's I'd be I'd be interested to know if and, and there's no way that it's not like a definitive timeline, right? With this character, it just started where it started. But if we could go back and talk to the per, the, the writers of this story originally and ask them, just you know, hypothetically. Character wise, let's do some character building. What was he like before we saw him with the Yankees? I was, I just found myself wondering if he had the full beard. <laughs> I could, I mean, have we ever? I guess I think Selick now it does like a goatee thing sometimes. I, I feel it because he's he's on like Blue Bloods or one of those one okay. of those shows that the olds just eat up in, yeah. in uh, CBS. But <laughs> I, I feel like Selleck has not solely done the mustache forever. Like I feel like he's, even it's he's back in vogue too, though, right? It is, like it early two thousands, like, sure. Rock a goatee, like we all were there and mistakenly did so if we could. And listen, like, not all of us, buddy. No, I've, well, I mean, I've no, bears, I was, I've been bears a baby's <laughs> ass for 30 years and counting now. To be fair, in the early 2000s, I was like 12. So, no, I didn't either. Um, but, like, you know, it, it would not, 
even when he was doing Friends episodes, we, we wouldn't have blinked an eyelash at the idea that he grew it into the, like the full goatee thing. But now, come on, Tom, bring it back. You just got to bring it it's back. Such, it's Lean such a in. brand. I, I really, I think that's, I think that's what he's rocking. I'll have to, I'll have to see. Let's roll into best scene. Um, I'm going to go chronologically. Obviously, if I miss one of your favorites, by all means, holler. Uh, the spring training scene kind of open in, in what I assume is is spring training, because it's not that's that's certainly not New York, right? Uh, and the and just in in terms of the plot, like you're not you're not doing these things in the way that you're doing them mid season, right? Yeah. Like you're introducing, oh, this rookie Davis is the real deal. Like you're not. You're not really doing that midseason. It seems to be kind of bouncy around the team, so there's no tension of like being in a, a divisional race or anything like that. So yeah, that was my assumption as well. Yeah, and I, and I love it. The movie starts, and it's like we get we get our plot. Like they don't they don't spend a lot of time. They they give us everything we need in this spring training season. He used to be good, not very good anymore. Big time rookie. There weren't any takers for him. He's going to Japan. Can I finish a sentence in my own goddamn office? Hey, okay. This Davis kid is the real thing. Oh, the way it's looking. <laughs> oh, come on. Is that what this is all about? I mean, he's a goddamn rookie, for Christ's sake. You gonna be impressed with a 500-foot home run? Yeah. yeah. So what are you saying? You gonna play me behind this kid? We wouldn't do that to you. The words come down, Jack. See who will pick up his contract, line him up, let Jack make his trade. There doesn't have to be more complicated than that. We don't need any backstory. He's sleeping with a you know young woman. Like we we get our guys super arrogant. He's you know past his prime. He's going to Japan. We got our plot. Like we're we're good to go. That that is a it's a, a solid early exposition scene. Yeah, they got right to it. Um and and it, again, it doesn't take them long to get to the idea that he's going to Japan. And I think something that could have tripped this plot up is a slower build to that. So, you know, we got 90% of the movie. He's in Japan. And so you can yeah. develop the storylines there. So, yeah, no, it was good. It was, I mean, it's, it's, it's effectively done. Right way to go about it. The next scene I've got is the first practice in Japan. And it's, like 90s baseball gear was unbeatable man the the thick wristbands those warm-ups that look like plastic trash bags uh, a lot of wrist tape like 90s baseball gear was just incredible like i i i would love for them to do a throwback game where it's just like 90s baseball gear yeah and they in addition to that this scene was particularly good they Re- at a really fast pace without being pushy about it asserted the Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, you walk in uh, shoes, you know, they're yelling at him about his shoes. And then he, he meets his other American teammate and it's like, Hey, there, I, we drink tea out of our lockers. Um, you know, the seating is low, that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's quiet, not, not rowdy, which is a point that they make on in a number of scenes. Um, the, the ceiling is, is low, which is, I don't, I don't know exactly how they wanted to get the point off that he's big. I get it. And whatever. Um, 
I don't, I don't love that necessarily. And I guess there are, that's the one thing. Yeah. That's the one thing that's there, but I like that. They, they didn't do everything else. They didn't do it as they obviously do the fish out of water. He's got things to learn, but they didn't portray it as, Oh, this stuff is ridiculous. And he's having to learn this. It's like, no, this is the culture. This is serious stuff. Like he needs to adapt to this. Yeah. Not the other not the other way around. And this does have the, you know, it, it's a bigger part of the plot later, the give and take thing, but that's mainly between him and the manager and just outlook. They don't, I think this does a good job of not, instead of like lampooning the culture, the baseball culture a little bit and be like, Oh, it's so funny. They wear slippers in the, you know, like, no, this is, this is just, this is how they go about their business. They, yeah. the, the way they shower, the way they bathe, stuff like that. Like they make it, it's not like that. They make a joke out of, out of him. You know, you see all the guys naked showering and stuff like that, but it's not, the culture doesn't come off as something to be mocked. Which yeah. I think is important. No, for sure. And it's, and it's one reason that this holds up so well. And you reminded me of the line where he's, he's, uh, he's talking um, he's talking to, to Haysbert's character hammer and jokingly is like, come on, I, I don't need you to teach me how to take a shit. And then he walks over into the bathroom and he looks down at it. And he's like, Hey, Hey hammer. I need you to teach me how to take a shit. <laughs> one, that, that was one of my favorite ones of the, like the, the cultural, um, you know, miscues on his part. It was funny. Yeah. Uh, the first game looks awesome yeah like looks i mean and it is everything that is so cool about japanese baseball the chanting and the noisemakers and it's the same thing with baseball in korea and baseball in mexico and baseball in the dominican republic and baseball pretty much anywhere but the united states the fan participation the the level of organized chance um i mean i remember when i was watching a friend of mine his games in venezuela when he went and played in venezuela in winter league about 10 years ago and you get the whole game you could hear the vuvuzelas and the drums yep and this is the same kind of thing and like it's packed out it's a night baseball game but the way they filmed it the, the action like it is a great 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 baseball scene yeah and um again just like the environment like never never again with a little bit more exposure to like Japanese national team being way into Ichiro and, and Shohei. And as time has moved on, I think me personally, I've, I've gained more of an interest in man. I would love to go to Japan and go to some, some baseball games someday. And so they show it and it's like, I mean, like (laughs) ramen as a concessions food is just being like slurped up in the stands. They've got the little color, you know, multicolored spermacite balloons that are like, flying up in the air listen one thing i need more of in american baseball is is noodles in yeah. general. more noodle dishes give me get dude ramen in the stands at american baseball games let's normalize it like there's I don't know. no give reason me, give me like a big old fucking baked ziti and let's <laughs> let's just go for it <laughs> just, a, just a plate of spaghetti and meatballs just <laughs> night at just the park just taking it in seventh inning food coma I mean, there are legit probably places that do it. Um, Need to do. I'm sure a minor a minor league baseball team needs to have like mom's spaghetti night. (laughs) Man, I mean, you like like there are people that would rave about it, but you talk about affordability. Like I'm all for minor league baseball teams doing things that are you you know going to be 
big draws or or moderate draws while remaining efficient money wise. Yeah, no, I'm all yeah. for that. Let's do a big, you know a, you do, a big spaghetti you do, bake. You do uh Paulie's pasta, like the Goodfellas pasta. You know the prison scene in Goodfellas where they're making where they're making the meatballs or they're <laughs> you know and they're they're sli- thin slicing the garlic. It's yep. Goodfellas night, and they've got they've got helpings of that pasta and bread, and that's what it is. Oh my god, that's in- and like if you god can if get, they ever if you get can baseball get- back in Staten Island, oh <laughs> if you can get Ray Liotta to come throw the first pitch, even better. Like come on, <laughs> listen, he's he was in no sudden move. This year, the the uh, Soderbergh film, which yeah. is really good, he was good in it. But like, I, he he's got time. <laughs> <laughs> he can fit. He can squeeze it in. He can squeeze it in. We've uh, we've gone off track a little. Wait, bit. it's um, all right. It's, we the, always do the all the baseball games in this movie look great because the next scene I had is the Giants game. Like all the movie gets better and better and better with each baseball game. Even if something like something small and consequential happens in some of these games, like you know they they finds out he's got the hole in his swing, stuff like that. But it's just like it helps the movie that these scenes look so great. The thing about the Giants game is seeing him care about winning and like that sort of important thing is really important for a character because a lot of times the character think about like a lot of the you know the cocky baseball like past their prime guys that we've seen like your Roger Dorn um Stan Ross and Mr. 3000 like that's that sort of character doesn't give a shit about winning and this guy, even though he's past his prime, even though he's got a much more heightened sense of of who he is and he's very arrogant, still cares about winning and actually like playing baseball and and you know enjoying the game. And usually in movies like this, we need to see like like that's what this guy is trying to rediscover, like his love for the game. With this one, it's just like he's trying to discover some humility and realize he needs to put a little work in, run a few wind sprints. So I really like that aspect in the Giants game. Yeah, and and the giant to compare it to another baseball movie, the Giants game, again, they're talking about it being for the pennant. It it really gives off major league pennant game vibes. Like in my mind, they didn't have nearly the score for this one, but in my mind it was with every scene or what you know what I mean? And they even even down to the 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 player bunting to end it just like in in major league i mean obviously it's a different storyline but that sort of reminded me of it too it was just like yeah okay this is a a really good final scene and you get a lot in there too in that last game and it's like yeah, well the, i mean the drama- there's two giants games too because i was like i have both of them on on my list oh you've got the first, the first one yeah the first one too just I mean, it's hard to take off any of the the baseball scenes but yeah, yeah. i mean both both giants games and both you know because the the first giants game is the first we it's the same thing with like the first yankees game in major leagues yeah I mean, this they one get this one's a little closer yeah but it's a little like it, we know that that's our big bad and like we we know we'll see them again and that's the big thing because we have to have especially because we don't as a viewer we don't we're not as in tune to what japanese baseball is like and what the stakes are and so that gives us our stakes of they need to beat these guys managers jobs on the line that sort of thing these guys always have our number that sort of thing so that seems really important for those purposes yeah and um just in the same way that they utilized the Yankees as Elliot's initial team on, um, you know, stateside, 
their utilization of the Yomiuri Giants as like the big bad. And they even, I think, uh, Hammer characterizes them in some of the dialogue as like the Yankees of of Japan or, or something like that. It, like they get the point across because, you know, like Hideki Matsui came from the Giants when he uh, came to Major League Baseball and was, was was a player for the New York Yankees. So I love the the authenticity in that way. Even like aside from the the, the tangible baseball stuff uh, that they found the way, and I don't know how difficult it would have been in the early '90s to get the rights to use mm-hmm. the actual team. Um, that they found the way to use that is just like a cool little added thing that. Um, I, I think a lot of casual viewers who aren't as familiar with Japanese baseball probably don't wouldn't care if it was, you know, it, it wouldn't make any difference. Right. You could make up another team name and it still gets the same point across. But to me, it was it was cool to see the YG on the helmets and it just it sort of added to it. Mm-hmm. The training montage in this movie. How do you have enough time in the middle of the season to do all this? <laughs> All this individual work and um, yeah, it's a lot. A lot of a lot of that training for a for a guy who's older who like not to players when they get to that we understand like he's a little out of shape, but players at that point, a lot of it is a part of being a professional, part of being not in the the prime of your life. Like you need to come into the season in good shape, which Jack Elliott didn't do. But a part of being a veteran is learning how to manage your energy. And, and not having the same things you had when you were 20. Which is also part of sort of the, the, the Japanese approach, right? Like they, it's a lifestyle to them in a lot of cases, more so than especially at that time it was to an American player. So that he came in out of shape, not much of a surprise. And I guess maybe you just got to like do, you, you got to sprint through a regimen in a, a compressed time to, to make up for that. And maybe that's the defense for why the manager was like, all right, we got to get you up to our speed so that you can do this, like maintain progress at a steady pace thing that we're accustomed to. But uh, the, the one thing that, and this look like some exercises are universal. It's fine. But they, they, they portrayed it as, he was unwilling to do these things in the beginning because it was unconventional. But then when it comes time to get his shit together and he's actually interested or whatever, he's like running stairs and doing crunches with the manager standing on his feet. And it's like, Oh, this is all stuff we've seen before. This isn't like crouch, crouch, you know, crab walking with bats in each hand or whatever they were doing in that line early on where he just refused to do it. Um, And he said, he's he's got his own. It's just like, he's, He's legitimately just refusing to get in shape at right. early on in the movie. Yeah. One of one of the things about the culture, like we see that they're taking fitness and stuff seriously. A lot of dugout heaters, or a lot of locker room guys smoking locker room heaters in this one. It just doesn't get touched on as much. <laughs> Not nearly as much. Um, also cool to see Selick, like they're on the subway in Japan, and he's you know sitting next to his interpreter. Who it's a, amazing that we haven't mentioned that guy yet because like may, maybe the star low key, yeah. um, but he's just got like got firing off on a cigar or whatever. Yeah, it was a lot of uh, it was very 1992 ish with the, the the levels of smoking. A lot of heaters, a lot of heaters going on. 
Um, the the attitude conversation between uh, between Selleck and the manager, I think it needed to happen about 15 to 20 minutes earlier. It happens with about 20, 30 minutes left in the movie, but because this is some, there's some, you know, the, the plot of this movie is the give and take. Like he needs to, you know, conform to the culture. He needs to um, respect the culture, needs to, you know, uh, become a, a professional Japanese baseball player, a prof- uh, baseball player in the Japanese league. But there's also the, the thing that they kind of dance around of the manager's way too serious. And it's not, you know, the, the creates problems with the chemistry and stuff like that. Like it's a classic look at baseball should be fun, which like, it's interesting. Cause Jack isn't your typical baseball should be fun guy. Like he doesn't come off like that, but that's what he's giving to the manager here in this scene. Yeah. And, and at various points, right. Cause they do the hot foot thing and that's recurring, since the spring training scene with the Yankees. Um, so he has fun in that way, but when it comes to prioritizing like <laughs> friendships and relationships and stuff like that, he's very much like, okay, no, 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 no. It's my life. It's not a game. It's my life. And and this is the only way that I identify and that sort of thing. But to, to get onto the manager thing, there's a, a couple of reasons that this scene should have happened sooner. One of which, of course, is that why the hell was he not speaking English to his team in the beginning of this movie? Yeah. Especially when you come to find out that with the ownership group of the team, the manager was the one vouching for Elliot all along. That's There's no way that this would work that way if that was the dynamic. Because if he's vouching for Elliot, he's very welcoming in the, in the initiative, right? He's He's... Hey, I can speak like there's give and take, right? He's offering his side of the give by speaking some English. Also, Hammer, even at that point, is like, wait, he speaks English? <laughs> like you have you have an American player on your team. Yeah. He, that was a massive, massive plot hole to me. Yeah, the the manager, so um Uchiyama is the is the manager, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So he's like the classic case of great player great teacher of baseball seemingly not as well tuned to being a great leader of men which is about the most important thing that a that a manager is um obviously in this one you know he needs to show jack how to hit and you know how to use you know change the swing and stuff like that but like the main job of being a manager is being someone that your your team can get by like the ownership group right to be a little skeptical of this guy cuz he has he's not leading they don't have a, a lot of a lot of great chemistry in that in that dugout so it's he's uh you know he a lot a lot of questionable decisions on his part the only other scene i have is uh besides the, the last game is the the tip your hat scene the second one when he gets beaned and the pitcher is basically doing like the no i did that shit on purpose and the team backs him up like that's a borderline big chill moment for me tip your hat Yeah, and um, I am also, I could be mistaken on the chronology here. I was also, I'm, I'm also, uh, especially in this recent rewatch, glad that, because I think that was the scene immediately after he slept with the woman, love interest for the first time. I'm glad that they didn't make that the slump buster. Because, like, it's too easy it's a it's a low hanging fruit that does not play well. 
especially when you've got one female character and of course she's a love interest which is again something that Listen, just has- there's a lot about that plot that does not play well yes right so there is and and that's the one preface like you got to look past to the to the point that okay acknowledge it understand that we have gotten better still need to get better about that sort of thing if you look past that and it's all enjoyable stuff but i was glad that they didn't make that the slump buster because again at the time it was this the the sequence went okay he's on the subway insisting he's not in a slump to his interpreter and then he sleeps with her and then game time and you just you just knew it was like okay he's gonna hit a home run here and everything's gonna be good and that wasn't the case so again glad that that wasn't like the epiphany moment because that would have been not good yeah what is the best scene in this one for you it's so tough to beat the pennant game, the the last Giants game. It's it's um, good, and and with this movie being the baseball, what it does best, it kind of makes sense. Like sometimes it's like right. that's a given. Like you're you're feel like you're forced to pick that as the best scene. This one is like nope. This is clearly what they do best, and it ties so many loose ends or brings a lot of things full circle. Right, like the acceptance and the cooperation is seen with, um a number of things, right? Like it's, it's uh, they, they've been talking the whole movie about his front foot and his top hand. They've been talking the, the whole movie about uh, just, again, that, that give and take cult between the two cultures. And they do the guy who doesn't dive for balls. He yeah. dives for ball. Yep. That one, exactly. Like that. And then it's the, the parallel with the first bunt scene when when, when Elliot goes up to the plate, it's like the same thing is playing out. And then when he talks to the manager, it's like, yeah, you saw that right. Swing away. Um, I, I'm going to push against the him bunting there because I get what they're Listen, going after. Bunt. I get what they're don't going bunt. after. That's, the, that's but the thing. The dude's hot. If I'm remembering correctly, the bases were loaded. And it's tied. A run wins the game. Like, just mash it in. Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't need to bunt there. And, I mean, it was, again, kudos to the choreography of the of the sports choreography of the movie because it was a slick-looking drag bunt that Selleck laid down. But, you know, like, that's you don't need that. And then he, pr- he tried to pull an A-rod over at first and, like, sh- threw a shoulder into the first baseman just to get safe. It's like it, all you had to do was, like, just groove one, smooth off the barrel, and boom, game's over. Come on, man. Yeah. It's also important that they did not do the exact same thing as Major League. And because the, the he's Jake got the Taylor gimpy bunt, knee, he's got the yeah, gimpy well, right knee, too. <laughs> well, the Jake Taylor bunt is in slow mo. Yeah. Like how they do it, it's all in slow. Like it, that scene takes like a minute and a half, the Jake Taylor bunt. This is, it's quick, man. He lays that down. Like it's almost full speed. Like, there's no big suspense that they build up it, that for that part. It's effective, but that last game as a whole is, is the best. This movie is at its best when it's on the baseball field, which is a, which is a good thing. I, yeah. I think, I mean, th- this has, it has some stuff off the field needs to clean up. It's like a, it's like a good prospect, but uh, <laughs> you know, on the, 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 you can't really complain about the stuff on the baseball field. Let's take a, a quick ad break and then we'll be back with best quote. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we're back. Uh, best quote. This isn't a. This doesn't have any like Bull Durham style monologues or anything like that, that that brings it home. This does have a quote. Now I buy the pussies, which I think is an only, <laughs> yeah. the only baseball movie to, to feature something like that. Did you have anything else that was like really you know really hits in this one? I I loved the back and forths, especially early between. Um, Jack and and Yoji, I believe, was the name of his interpreter. Um, there were a number of them that I'm trying to remember now. It was, um, well, okay, there's the first interaction with the woman. And again, this was like, it's, it's, it's the mustache rides quote. Like, you can't, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to like it. But again, with the plot, it was just kind of like, no, 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 that's not good. That's it's uncomfy. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. So that's for sure one of them. Um, and then when they ask his impressions of the city in uh, his his introductory press conference, and it's just I, again, not even I don't even need those word for I didn't write them down. I don't have those word for word, but you know the his paraphrasing and then the interpreter saying like you know uh, oh, oh the one was let's say I let's just say I had a yen to play here right and he's like oh he would he would pay lots of money for the honor of playing in Japan and he just like cleans it up for him so well um, all all of that stuff in the beginning there with the interpreter was was really good for me that's a comedy bit that almost always works the yeah. guy says something interpreter cleans it up for him that 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 usually hits um the one thing it, this is in the first scene of the movie or the spring training scene when Selick is is complaining about being you know uh, upsurped by frank thomas uh, last season i led this club in ninth inning doubles in the month of august i wrote it down as not even really a best quote but i loved it because like how it 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 struck me as a um, sort of in, industrious on his part, um, like vouching for himself. Because at that point, we only know his agent as oh that stupid little, little guy with the ponytail. Yeah, and, ponytail guy. Yeah, and and it it struck me when he said that. I was like, look at him advocating for himself. Like he's good at this. He gets it because you know. Ninth inning doubles is not, I mean, that's not nothing. August is a pretty significant month if you're trying to win a, <laughs> win a pennant or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, I buy it. I buy it. 
For the most authentic, realistic part of this movie, like baseball wise, did you have anything more specific than just great baseball action? Because that's kind of what I have, just the bringing Japanese baseball culture to the big screen, which I thought was really important. It was the most important thing this movie could have done, and it did it in spades. Yeah, I think, um, again, there's a, I think we, we, of course, as white Americans, both you and I have blind spots when it comes to the cultural stuff with everything Japanese that they, they put into this film. But by my eyes, like, I think most of it was, was pretty authentic. Um, The cool one to me was you, you probably noticed in the first practice with the Japanese team that they use double turtles and yes. and hit tw- that's a that's a that is a very very not american baseball thing and it was cool to see them utilize that on their practice field and they set down a, a new home plate and they just spray them out that way and it's like an efficiency thing i guess cuz you can get more guys going at the same time and um you know different looks from pitchers and there's also that one where uh, what was the Japanese word, the nickname that they had for that pitch in his first practice, and he swings like and misses the shuto. It. Yeah, and it's um, it, and it was I, I don't know like the one back angle they had on it. It just looked. I'm like assuming a, it's a splitter. I, well, see my my inclination was it was some form of like the gyro ball that the gy- Dice yeah. brought over. Um, but then they've got and I ran this back once to just get a second look at it. They've got the behind the pitcher angle on it the second or third time Elliot swings and misses and it just looks like a change up but I'm like it's a it's a really good change up I mean yeah. the bottom falls yeah. out of it like um well, when you think about like um especially like Tanaka Tanaka had that splitter that he d- just falls off absolutely falls off the table and he just buries and then it's got some of that sink away from the lefties so that's kind of what I assume that was because yeah. that's that's a pitch that a lot of um like Koji Uhara had one that was mm-hmm. pretty filthy. I mean, Shohei's um, obviously got one of the best. Shohei, Sho- yeah, Shohei's got Shohei's got it. Man, I'm just I'm Shohei erasure by me all, all through this episode. <laughs> I just keep forgetting about literally the best player in the world. Um, Dar- Darvish has one too. So that that's what I was assuming that was. Is that is that a pitch that you know? And maybe I mean, and it's not you know the, the splitter wasn't unseen. Like you know, Bruce Sutter won a Cy Young you know in like the 80s i think with the as being a mainly a split guy but it's it's something that is big and at least the japanese imports we've seen is like all the you know most of them have had a, like a wipeout splitter yeah and I, I guess my only the only reason i didn't immediately think that is the way that they sort of like paul bunioned it right like yeah. they were like oh this bet you can't hit this and if if it's a if it's commonplace for every pitcher to have one over there they i don't know that they would do it that way um yeah but again it looked way more like the splitter than it would have anything else like a, a gyro ball or a, a weird knuckling something i don't know but um that kind of um it bleeds into my least authentic thing though uh they the thing the two things they really tell him about his swing, like this hole in his swing, they say, you know, you're hitting, hitting off the front foot too much, which like, if you're trying to, if you're trying to ambush a ball and you're out front too much, like that, that splitter, that's going to eat you up in just that way. So that's realistic. But then they say he's not using his top hand enough. Like he's not coming over with his top hand. Like he's not rolling. He's over not rolling the over baseman. <laughs> like what, who came up with that? Yeah. Um, 
I yeah, I question the authenticity of that too. I like that they had the specific baseball things that they sort of peppered him with through the whole the whole movie. Um, but also if you if you watch some of the like the best Japanese hitters ever, they're heavy focus and and balanced on that front foot. So that's that one's fine because it's it's like a to each their own sort of thing, right? I, I know a lot of people that would say, you know, sit on the back foot and drive that way. It, it, you know, it's 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 the the athleticism involved is like the ability to adjust, right? You've seen big leaguers hit home runs where they're way out in front or they sit back and it just it, that's that's sort of um inconsequential. But the, the the hand, the top hand was weird for me. I, that's yeah. that's never been a thing. Yeah, like that's never been a thing that, that it's gets always taught. been There's, discouraged to to roll over with your top hand because it's going to yeah. be a weak ground ball. Like always. <laughs> There's one super glaring, un, un, unrealistic thing though. Uchiyama comes out when he comes out to defend Jack. He bumps an umpire multiple times. Does not get ran. That doesn't. That does not happen. You can never touch an umpire. And not get ran. I think it's actually more likely that you get away with that in the States than over there. Yeah. I, I would say in the States. Yeah. But I think even in the States is no, you touch, you touch umpire and you're done gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the spin move really good work again on the choreography, the spin move, like he's walking back to the dugout. Nope. Second thought. <laughs> I mean, it that's was, one of my favorite things. An angry manager, angry player is like halfway to the dugout. And you're like, fuck it. No, I'm not done. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. So Jordan like, Belfort, I'm not fucking leaving. So, you, you you know, obviously I do a lot of ACC baseball and Elliot Avent, who was also the collegiate national teams manager over the summer, has a a famous spin move around an umpire when he got and it reminded me of that. It was just great. It was it was really good stuff. Now, um, you know, I don't I, I can't confirm if Uchiyama has ever killed a snake that bit him and taken it to the hospital himself so that they could identify the snake and see if it's poisonous or not. But, you know, <laughs> similarities. Yeah, I, I don't I guess, know if he had that. Ones. Don't know if he had that in the bag. <laughs> Did you have anything for least authentic? I, man, I again, I, I sort of hesitate to call out some of the Japanese culture stuff. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a not our place kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it seems like they got it. But an easy one, a really easy one. And this is just like a throwaway. They have two scenes during which Jack and his agent are talking on the phone across the world from one another. Okay, two scenes. The very first one. It's daylight. In the middle of the day, in both places, I know I did notice this in yes. New York and Japan. That is not possible. They're ten hours apart. Like at best, at best, it's like what would that need to be? Eight, eight in the morning and six in the evening. It would still be light in New York in the summer. I, I no, like that's just not happening. So then they quit. They, I, I imagine. It's not essential to the scene, right? So they just didn't care at that point. But then later, when he calls him about the trade to the Dodgers, he wakes him up. 
and they they acknowledge it. He's like, no, 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 it's one at one in the afternoon over here, big boy, or what, whatever it is. Um, so it was weird to me. I caught it the first time, and then was like, oh, and then they acknowledge it. I didn't get that. Um, and to me, like, I don't if if because I think Elliot was calling his agent the first time. Yeah, you excuse. Yeah, he, he calls it's him excused. and he's like, get me out of here. It's excused if Elliot wants to call him at like midnight Japan time to, I, that would have made sense to me. Right. And you just throw in a quick little thing where the, the agents like, isn't it whatever o'clock over there, that sort of thing. Like that, it's an easy fix to me. And for whatever it reason, it lines just, up. Cause it'd be, it'd be after a game too. Yeah, it's yep. like, he gets home from after a game It's late calls his agent, you know, Hey, I need to get out of here. And the agent's like, you know, it's, it's, it's early in the day. I'll, you know, I'll, uh, I'll get on you some know, stuff. Or get on some. Get on some stuff. I'll have some news for you by five. Yeah. So uh, that was a just like a a little continuity error that I noticed and uh, took note of. Um, I mean, I think that other than just like, why is the manager not speaking? I get that it plays to the plot of the story, and you got to have that that twist in there at for so that at some point he can come around. But to me, revealing that she's the manager's daughter is twist enough right yeah and and again it in no way shape or form makes sense especially with the dynamic of he's got pressure on him from ownership because he's the one vouching for elliot that he wouldn't speak english from the jump now if it was a different story and ownership was pushing this american star onto him and saying make it work the coldness from the beginning makes sense to me so that that was also pretty inauthentic it's kind of a it's kind of a tool we see in movies sometimes though where it's like i was actually the one you know vouching for you uh legally blonde the um the the stiff law professor she was actually the one who said you know take a chance um happens in the internship as well that sort of thing it's it's commonly recycled so it's interesting what what worked about this one that we haven't touched on we've touched on 90s baseball warm-ups i think just the baseball in general. Think I think the gear pretty like car the game they got everything. Yeah, the gear, the gameplay. Um God, the Japanese like stadiums. Um I mean there's not there's not much that didn't work except God, they just had to wedge this weird romantic angle into it. Let's okay. I let's run into this. The yeah, love story it. just yeah. ain't it. Yeah, it, it ain't it. it. Yeah. It's weird. The bath scene is super uncomfortable. Like that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when my wife checked out. She was like, "This is weird. This is like a fetishization thing." <laughs> like she's the Japanese woman who's bathing him, and it's like there was nothing suggest. Like it's just randomly like I'm gonna run a bath. Like oh, what is this? That kind of movie? And then it's it doesn't it's. It's also extremely unhealthy that she didn't say who her dad was. Like that's that right there is is completely wrong, completely um, dished like ruining trust of both people. Like that it's it's inappropriate, frankly. Like extremely extremely inappropriate. This actress too, this is her only IMDb credit, which is I don't know if it doesn't work. She's not like she's not uh, she's not terrible, she's not great. But like it's that's a really weird wrinkle too, like the only IMDb credit she has is this. Seems to me like if she wanted it, she probably could have gotten more work because of this and out of yeah. this, right? It wasn't a horrendous performance. It wasn't wasn't a great script for her. Um, 
yeah, that's that's an interesting angle. But it, it just, man, I mean, like it just runs into so many problems in in typical we made a sports movie in 1992 fashion, right? Like she's the only woman with a role. So of course she was a a romantic interest and really for no reason other than she was the woman that popped up on screen and Tom Selleck's the star. Like, Yeah. Well, and the thing is you didn't, you didn't need her as the plot device to like, cause these are the things she does. She talks to him. She kind of talks to him about like, getting with it in terms of the culture a little bit getting you know like buying in a little more you had Haysbert right there for that you had you had this avatar to hey man i came over here i know how things are like you need to get with this also yoji the interpreter who does a good job of that on occasion right he's reading the papers he's he's you know sort of helping him assimilate in in other ways and i get that i get that you probably need to be realistic about the idea that multiple people are going to help him with that sort of thing. But you just didn't. And it was like this weird, what, what, what is her job? Cause she initially was like, she was doing stuff want, with the team. I want first, she, 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 she was she like, I want to talk. Thing. Yeah. She was like, Oh, I want to talk business with you. And then, you know, she's, she's talking about him doing, uh, promotional stuff for the team and, and is selling him on the idea that no, 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 here it's written into your contract and the dragons can put you on these ads or whatever with their partners without it being like a you individual endorsement thing. And then that kind of like he does the commercial, the one that you see in there. And it's like, that kind of goes away and then the, I guess that was just like the lead in to them hanging out or whatever. But it seemed, yeah. seemed to me like it was a weird role to begin with in that it was like not super. Uh, I mean, it wasn't re- really well described what she did for the team or that, she, or that she was even an employee of the team. Right. Like she's just like, was she an employee of the team? Was she an employee of uh, the the drink that he he did the commercial for because again we only see him do the one it was just a, it was really unclear up to a certain yeah. point and then they let they let go of that part of the plot because it's like okay cool these two are hanging out now here's the here's the love story and then when the agent calls and is like the Dodgers need someone you might be out of here in the week and he's talking you know he's talking to her and she's like you know, they're trying to do the thing where she's like, you know, you're just going to leave me here. And yeah. he's like, well, you can come in. It's like, as a viewer, I don't, I don't give a fuck if he leaves her here. Like they've been dating for like a couple weeks. We don't care about this relationship. Like the this started with thing that him in a sorority had, house. Like exactly. We, we're like, not invested he, in this. He doesn't, he doesn't need to date right now. He's not a good place for that. Like he's got some, he's got some him to work on. And that's what this movie is about. It's about him working on him. He doesn't need a love interest. And the thing with like, what he's leaving behind, we don't care about her. We care about this team that he's got invested in. They have this pennant chase. Like that's what matters. Like it doesn't that that's where the awkwardness would come from of, of him not wanting to leave is not leaving this pennant chase. We don't, we don't fucking need the girl he's dating. Like it's just it's completely useless. It takes away from good parts of this movie. Yeah, and there's a a slight adjustment that could be made because they're clarifying the schedule while he's on the phone. And they're like, no, 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 the Dodgers rep is going to come to this game. And then it's like, wait, there's no drama in that. This game is the one that they're going to win the pennant. 
right? Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like they win the pennant. It's like so because he first he, gets he'd the, be free to go play for the Dodgers. So, yeah, yeah, it's win win for him, right? He's going to win the pennant with this team. He's got the great comeback story. Now he goes back to the bigs. He goes to L.A. He doesn't date this woman long distance. He maybe goes to therapy. Like you know, he's working on his shit, and um, it, it would it would actually be better if he had to make the decision like if they played series at that point of the season and he like had to miss the the remainder of the series and the opportunity to win the pennant for them but like the other hypothetical is he's got this consistent games with a home run streak that Uchiyama previously owned or or owns um because he doesn't end up breaking it but like the storyline to that point has built to, okay, he's trying to break this record. He's trying to help them win the pennant. And when that wrinkle in the fold comes, it's like, no, 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 but you can still do those things. Just, you know, you wouldn't be able to stay with the girl. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is like, we don't care, buddy. Like, <laughs> she's going like, to be fine. Like what? Her, yeah, her dad's she, the manager. She's gonna, yeah. She's going to be good. Y'all don't really have that much going on anyways. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's really trying to force it. It's just not there. Everything else in this movie, like it honestly kind of moves too fast in every other aspect for you to really catch things that are wrong. Like it's kind of uneven. There's with some of the baseball stuff until they really have that, come he has that come to jesus talk with uchiyama about you need to you know i'm buying in you need to be a little more fun baseball is a game blah 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 that's you need to trust your pitchers that sort of thing which could have come a little earlier because before then there's a lot of like one step forward two steps back kind of thing like a little bit of buy-in a little bit of good stuff you know stuff like that but like it's a little uneven but other than that i mean the the big thing is just like every time that there's a scene between the just a love interest scene it it takes it takes you completely out of it just not good yeah i i this is um a bit off the wall but i'm thinking of uh favorite scenes and you mentioned the workout montage in particular i want to go back to one if i may to to and it's this is also sort of a quote um it's when the team comes out and sees him running stairs and uh, he gets down to the bottom and he's not winded like he would have been at the beginning of the montage. So it's like the, clearly it's like, a, OK, we worked out for, you know, three minutes on screen. And now I'm in, and now I'm fit. I'm in great shape. I'm in great shape now. <laughs> but he was like, you look thirsty, chief. What do you say? I buy you a beer. And Uchiyama's just like later again. And you look thirsty, chief. What do you say? I buy you a beer. Later, again. You're no fun anymore. You, you know, signals that he needs to to run again. And Elliot like walks off and like side eyes him and is joking about it and laughing. And he's just like, "You're no fun anymore." Um, so that that was a good one to me. That was a nice little moment. Um, that was that was a nice little touch. Yeah. There. Sorry, I, I I that didn't answer a question that you asked, but that was it. Just like occurred to me. Oh, I didn't mention that one. So. That was uh, yeah. Had to had to talk about it. Yeah, had yeah. to talk about it. It's also interesting that Ujiyama, like, there's never like, he doesn't have the angry. So uh, you're fucking my daughter kind of thing. Like he just he legit he legit doesn't care, which is kind of interesting. Like he has like it doesn't he like she brings him and it's more about like oh yeah she's she's difficult she's making us talk to each other as opposed to like he doesn't really seem to be as bothered by Selick showing up. It's more like he's more like annoyed that she is making them talk to each other. 
Yeah, and I'm trying to remember, did 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 he mention at some point that she was flighty, right? There's the reference like 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 daughter, like mother, like, like mother, like daughter. Her mother's obviously not present in the movie. Yeah, and, he, so yeah, he, and he's he, like, I she think planned he's, this exact thing. I think he sort of implies that like, oh, you know, silly, silly American, like uh, it's just going to be a fling because that's the way yeah. she is. So I, yeah. I felt that too. It was like a weird, um, all right, let's get this over with. Like it'll be, it'll be done soon sort of thing yeah. with him agreeing to do dinner and talk to, to sell it. Just, just a ton of shit they could have cut out. Frankly, yeah. give me, give me more baseball. Uh, Kevin Costner, Freddie Prince Jr. Awards for best and worst on-screen athlete. Selick looks awesome. Selick looks great. I I'm awesome. actually, I actually hate that we don't see him play in the field more. I kind of would have liked that. Um, cause you can, with a dude with some decent, decent, just hand eye coordination and stuff like you can make that look good. You can hit him some soft fungos and, and have, get some scoops, get some, get some stuff like that. Like he looked at the plate. He looked awesome. They do good with like the bat crack sounds to make it sound like he's got a, a nice little exit velo going there, but he, he looked the part look, look great. Yeah. And, and again, you can see the trajectory on some of the line drives. The camera work on those is really good because they'll go, they'll cut straight from the swing to that. And it's following this, this lined shot up into this mass of people in the stands. And it's just like, damn, he, he blasted that thing. Um, so they do that really well. Uh, it's got, I mean, it's, it's got to be Selleck, right? They're all yeah. great, but he's the star. So, like Dennis Haysbert looks awesome. Um, they they all look really good. So I, I all look good. It's tough. It's tough to differentiate. Here. There's no one glaring as looking bad, which no, is the best thing on the, you can say about any sports movie. Even on the opposing teams, there's there's the one American that plays shortstop, and then for one of the teams, and then there's another American um, that plays first base that. It's sort of a throwaway when he goes to 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 meet those guys for drinks. I don't and quite I, I think understand. Those dudes actually played though. Like yeah. I think they, I think they were actually like I know Brad Leslie, who the guy who was also in Little Big League. Like he yeah. actually played. Like he was, he was, he was a pro ball player. Yeah. So like they looked good. Again, I, I sort of question why they were even in the fold. If you're not gonna flesh that out as as it did give us that good scene though i really like that scene i i didn't mention it in best scenes when he goes and meets up with the guys at the and they're reading the paper and they're watching what looks to be like the Japanese version of Jackass. Like it's just dudes like lighting themselves on fire and doing he puts the firecracker up his nose the the one yeah. dude yeah 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 I'm watching that and I was like that's 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 Japanese Johnny Knoxville like he's just lighting firecrackers up his nose like we've seen that um, so it has that, I like that scene where it's, but it's like the, Hey, you gotta, gotta learn how things go. Cause it gives us an example of there are more guys than just hammer. And these guys have all, you know, been there and done started it, drinking, and started drinking the Kool-Aid really. And like bought into yeah. Japanese baseball, which to our earlier point, I, I, it makes me wish they, the other guys would have been used more for that, you know, his assimilation to the culture in the places where they used the woman. And again, we didn't get those guys developed. It was early enough in the movie to where you see, you meet these guys, all the Americans playing in Japan and you sort of get the feeling like, Oh, this is going to be a sort of a regular thing. They're going to see each other on the field. They're going to do all that. And you get like a quick hello or whatever, 
um, at first base when when Elliot gets on. Um, you know, he slides into second and is greeted by the shortstop for the one team. But that's it. Like you don't you don't get it. Those so again in terms of people that are sort of his support system while he's in, you know, he's the fish out of water in the story. Um, they, they could have been utilized a lot more, but it, that scene did serve as the vehicle for him to address his interpreter because they were reading from the newspaper. And that's when he realized the interpreter was feeding everybody else something different from what he was saying. So, you know, you yeah. get that out of it. Yeah. We could kind of fold that into, um, into like how to just the how to improve it category. If you take out most of the love story and you have a few more scenes with like just meeting up at the bar with those American guys and talking about it and them just kind of, you know, continuing to harp on him like, Hey man, you got to get with this. Maybe a little more with his, his teammates too. The only time we really see him hanging with them is in the montage when everything's going well, we see him walking down the street and it looks like he's the coolest person in the world, (laughs) but like maybe some actual like outside of baseball conversations with the guys who speak English. Cause there are a few of those teammates who speak English and, um, and a a little more of that I think would have been, would have been really helpful as opposed to the, the love interests kind of serving as, is this voice that we didn't really need. Yeah. Scrap the romance scenes and give me something where, um, he, he takes, takes teammates out for a drink and one of them's like never smoked a cigar, a cigar or whatever. And he's like teaching him this thing, or, you know, there's, there's a, something that you can do with that. That's going to build some camaraderie in the meantime, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's, um, you get the nice, the nice scene where he addresses the team in in their native language, which is cool. Um, but but like we, it was sort of stark in that way because we didn't see him chumming it up with with those guys on his way to doing this. It was sort of a they they chalked it up in the movie as oh he's getting his act together from a baseball perspective, so we respect him now. Um, whereas they could have fleshed it out a lot more. Yeah, well, and and the one thing that Hiroko, the love interest, the one thing that she brings is she is the only one who knows about Uchiyama kind of as a person. She kind of knows how he's wired, his demons, anything like that. If you really right. want to have that character in, his daughter, it's completely plausible that she would have been a team employee. And you can have her be that outlet and bring that information to him and them have that working relationship because of the commercials. You can do that without them bathing together. Right. You don't You don't need that. She, don't. We don't need to be worried about him leaving her there. She can. They can still have those kind of conversations. Um, because like, he's like, it's, if they're on commercial sets for a long time together, she's, you know, they set it in motion of like, she needs him to do all this stuff. Like you can do that kind of seamlessly without the, the other shit. I don't need to see him sleeping in a full bed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, a lot of small, small beds that my guy is sharing in this movie. Yeah, right. Because right. not a tiny dude. One's either. a twin like, XL because it's you know in a sorority house, <laughs> and the other is a twin XL because you know it's in Japan and everything's smaller and closer to the ground, I guess. But yeah. um, the uh, Lenny Harris pinch hitter award. Make the case for your boy, the interpreter Yoji. Yoji. I, I. So again, in the beginning, Selick cannot continue as the character that Selleck is meant to play through the first 30 minutes of this film. 
if my guy Yoji was not taking bullets for him. There's, there's no way you can flesh out the character of Jack Elliott in the way that you do without the role of the interpreter. And my guy Yoji, I, 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 I've failed him. I need to find out the name of the guy that actually portrayed him. So um, the the guy that actually portrayed him is is and and again like you're gonna folks I'm not I'm not I'm name. not good with names like Bill Smith so it's Toshi Shioa S H I O Y A so yeah Tos- he's really Toshi Shioa he's great Shio. he's fantastic yeah. and animated and he's not just like a you know he gets dragged around there's kind of the, like the little guy big guy relationship for a little bit because you know, Selleck recognizes that he needs him in certain cases. So he just like, will grab him by the shirt and just like drag him over here. And so he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'll interpret. And sometimes like he, he, he perfectly portrays sort of the, the anxiety of the role that he's in because this dude who, for whom he's interpreting in a country that he's unfamiliar with is just like steamrolling over everything that is conventional to them. And he, he just does a, a phenomenal job. I thought of, of showing the panic, showing the poise in some situations, right? Cause some situations he like eyes wide, he thinks about it and he's like, well, we're going to say this differently than, than that. Um, I've, I found in the latter half of the movie that I wanted him to have a better role, like a bigger role. But again, they split, they took, they took a lot from others because Haysbert's the same way. He could have had a huge role in being like the, the pal that sort of helps Selleck assimilate in this movie, but they took so much away from others to give it to the, the, the romantic element of this. Yeah. Yeah, because Haysbert he gets a couple moments. The one after after uh, after Selleck gets Bean the first time, like that's a really good one. He was mm-hmm. like the one thing I didn't miss about you know playing ball in the states was prima donnas like you or whatever. And now I you know got to deal with that shit. Like he's good, but yeah, Yoji is the interpreter. Like I'm all for that. Um, before more restore, going on thirty years of this one, like thirty year anniversary this year. We've got. Since this one has come out, like we said, Japanese baseball is much more prevalent in the States. This one is prime for a remake. And I'm going to tell you, there's a way it can go really bad. There's a way it can go really good. The way it can go really bad, Chris Pratt. The way it can go really good, John David Washington. Oh, okay. All right. So we're going like specifically with roles here. Um, That's what I mean, because with this one, you remake it. You got to center around a guy. He's got it. John David Washington is an athlete. I don't know if he can swing it. If not, you got to get someone like Selleck who can swing it. Someone who you got to get a looks the part athlete. Yeah. Hear, hear me out on the, um, I've got a couple of ideas. They will not work in tandem. Okay. So this also ties into things that we would change. Um, the first one, actually, I'm going to back it up. The first one is a thing that we would change, okay? It's a little off the wall, but I think the baseball movie Zeitgeist Multiverse deserves this. If you're going to cast Haysbert, just make him Pedro Serrano. Make him journeyman Pedro Serrano, who has now found his way playing Japanese baseball, and because he's open-minded, 
AF and we've already seen him as a voodooist and as a Buddhist, he's adopted, he's taken the Buddhism that he learned in major league two and taken it with him to Japan. And he's an even better Buddhist than ever. I just think we deserve it. We deserve it. I think we, that I, I would love that. I think that I would needed love if to he was if he was just Serrano and in all baseball movies. Well, so, so like he's he goes back to the minors for a bit in the third major league to play with downtown. And and I think if he found his way to Japan and somehow we just did this, we did. I mean, this is a thing that's in vogue, like the MCU and stuff like that. We'll just a little Easter egg. It's Pedro Serrano. Well, so in a remake, are we Haysbert could come back to be like a, a hitting coach in Japan for sure, or something like that. A hundred percent. We're bringing Haysbert back. We're bringing Selick back because Selick at the end of the movie is is remember because he gets called Chief and he's like, "What'd you say?" He's like, "Oh no, no, no. I mean, coach." So it can be assumed at the end that that Selick or Elliot has turned into a coach with the Tigers. Um, so he's going to be back in it because he went chasing her or whatever back to Japan and is managing a team there. I, who knows? You can, you, you got to find her. I got to see where she's at. <laughs> You're right. What is she doing? Um, but all right, here's my other idea for a remake. And this is going to take some time because it's, it's a, it's a progressive thing. I need Michael Lewis to write a book, not just a book about a fictional Jack Elliott. I need Michael Lewis, a la Moneyball, to write a book about an actual baseball thing and write it about outfielder Matt Merton, the real life oh. Mr. Baseball. Oh. And then they, we make a movie. We've had a lot of, so there's like the, your Matt Mertens, your Tuffy Rhodes. Like we've had some guys go over to Japan and, and do it. Merton, after, you know, marginal success as a big leaguer was a four-time all-star in japan he if i'm not mistaken broke ichiro's single season hits record like he's a legend over there the real life mr baseball he wasn't a world series mvp before going out there so that parallel is gone but again a la moneyball i'm gonna need michael lewis to write a book about matt merton and then we get a movie spun out so there's there's one other player that they could they could pull real life inspiration from, and do that. Manny Ramirez, Mister oh. Baseball, <laughs> but it's Manny. We go to Australia. We get pinged we for steroids. We go back to the minors on some injury rehab assignments. I mean, we got, you go dre- we got dreads down to the ass. We're wearing size four XL pants. Like it's the Manny style thing, like style icon of the the early 2000s, because before he grabbed like the baggiest clothes you could find, remember, like he was wearing skin tight jerseys and pants and like people forget Manny Ramirez was yoked, like, yeah, looked the part. And now, like, I would I would love to see Mr. Baseball. That's about a Manny like player. I kind of like that. Um, you know, from a style standpoint, basketball's got Allen Iverson. I think Manny's a pretty good parallel because you think about, you know, people with, with headband, cornrows, tattoos, shooter sleeve, leg sleeve, that sort of thing. Like AI was all of that. 
And yeah, he, and, he, and we and he the, made it the okay. Manny being yeah, the Manny being Manny thing too. Yeah, so Manny, like I was always a tight pants guy. Like I, I'm I'm talking like Jeter tight. But there was a certain time in my life, starting at like age 16, I started to wear them kind of baggy, and it was very very Manny like. So in the same sort of way that you know people started wearing the the shooter sleeve or the leg sleeve or the sweatband on their leg. That was a sweatband on the calf was a, an AI thing too. Um, AI did the little finger sweatbands. You remember those? Like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So like, I, I get it. I get it with Manning. Um, but you, you got to think I, we're I gotta, getting a I good have, Manny documentary for sure. At some point. Absolutely. That's a non-negotiable, a non-negotiable. And I actually think that that's the the way this makes the most sense. If we're choosing between Manny or Manny like, and Matt Merton and Matt Merton like, for the money ball spin, I think we got to go Merton. Yeah, Manny's yeah, story, I, I, Manny's Merton real story better, is yeah. so like you can Disneyfy Merton a little bit, you know what I mean, and like prop it up a little bit. He's Vince Papali or something. Like uh, Manny's real story is good enough to where we'll just let's just do a. Uh, an eight part docu-series or whatever. Yeah. The, the documentary for Manny, Manny was so big that it, it doesn't really make sense to have a Manny movie. Yeah. But um, like a Manny doc would be better. But yeah, I love, I love the Merton idea. I'm, I'm, I mean, who do I'm, we, who do we I, cast as Matt Merton in that movie? I hadn't even thought about it, but you're mm. good with this type of stuff. So I figured I could throw it out on the spot. The thing is the, the thing is like, it has to, the guy has to be able to play. So like, it comes to like, Man, could Andrew Garfield do everything as a dramatic actor? Like, get there as Matt Burton? He absolutely could. But Andrew Garfield is a British dude who probably looks terrible throwing throwing a baseball. All right, okay. I think I might have one. And he's hot. It's a hot. He's a hot name right now. We'd have to get him in some mean shape. And obviously, this is without knowing what his skill or athleticism is like on a baseball field. Jesse Plemons. Oh, Plemons would be a good one, right? Plemons would be a good. I, I, I'm also. I'm pretty sure Matt Merton is a redheaded guy. Yep. Plemons kind of has that has that going on. That's a. Yep. That's the thing. It all comes down to the. It all comes down to the skill. Um. You like he's a little problematic right now, but Shia, like if Shia can play, like I don't. That's I don't not know. a bad. That's not a bad one. And you can. Yeah, I guess you you prefer to have a redhead like a natural redhead, you can fake mm-hmm. it to a degree with somebody to a point. The thing where is with it, it's just, it's gotta be, you gotta look the part. You gotta be able to swing. It's gotta be a guy who at least played like some high school. You know what? He's not redheaded. Miles Teller. He can, he can get there with the body. Ooh, I don't know, man. See, I need, I need uh, the Hollywood, acting chops. Drop of, the check, man. We can do this. <laughs> like, do I need to talk to Merton's people? Oh, like if you, by all means, if you're listening and you know how to get in touch, like hit us up because the thing I'm is about, with Plemons, I'm about to bypass the Michael Lewis route, the Moneyball route, and we're just taking this straight to Disney. We're making it happen. We've never seen Plemons. He wasn't Friday Night Lights, but we've never seen Plemons like as an adult, as like in his adult roles in in good shape. Never forget non, Plemons like, also non, like, soft shape. Never forget Plemons also as the bully in Like Mike. Listen, our latest episode, back to back. I mean, we're what's the the Plemons talk? <laughs> big month for Plemons on big screen sports. 
I forgot that you guys just did that. <laughs> God, but huge month, huge month for Plemons on big screen sports. His, his Google searches are going to go way up, and his his people are going to be like, "What? Why? He oh, hasn't. He's not doing anything this month. Why is it happening?" It's certainly, certainly not that Power of the Dog is going to get nominated for an Oscar. It's, right. No, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely this. But Darren, this was great as always, man. Gotta gotta have you back soon. We will. Your voice will be on this feed sooner rather than later with a with a clip from Coach K and the Crazies. Tell the folks again where they can find it. Yeah, K and the Crazies is the name of it. Um, so you can just search K and the Crazies wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and uh, yeah, at K and the Crazies, spelled all the way out. K A N D T H E Crazies on social media. We've got it on. Twitter and Instagram, we honestly haven't updated those a ton, but we will as we start to get these these episodes out. And we've got some cool, you know, sort of behind the scenes type photos and stories that we want to get out as an ancillary piece to to this narrative uh, narrative podcast. But uh, K and the Crazies, Coach K, Cameron Crazies, Duke Men's Basketball, if that so piques your interest. So uh, check it out, please. Everyone go check that out. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash big screen sports. You can vote on movies every month to be covered on this podcast. And if you're a patron, you also get scheduling info. You know about what we're going to cover, when we're going to cover it, which if you're a patron, you already know that next week starts off rom-com month. It is when Harry met Sally with me, Alex McDaniel, Michael Felder. Going to be a banger. Tune in. We'll see you Monday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.